Right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Hey, 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 it's the weekend, Friday morning, and it's time for another Bearded Fen uh, podcast episode. In this week's episode, I chat to a mate of mine, Ryan Abramovitz, who lives in Toronto, Canada, <coughs> but is originally from South Africa. We met back in 2012 at a Rodriguez concert uh, in Toronto, and we've been mates ever since. Ryan himself is a drummer and played in a band called The Unchained. Uh, and I uh, decided to catch up with him and find out how he had been affected by COVID and the effect that COVID has had on the music industry in Toronto. I hope you enjoy this episode. Your hat is hysterical. <laughs> you like it? <laughs> yeah, I like it. That looks good. That looks yeah. good. <laughs> I've got three. I've got another one that says horny. Okay. And then uh, another one that says black sheep or something like that. Good man. I guess it describes <laughs> you well, right? Might as well wear well, what you Yeah. It depends what mood I'm in. Hey? Depends the mood. Yeah, you're not like that yeah. all the time. Yeah, no, I think I need to. It's like one of those things is like you want to get the whole collection. You uh, know, just uh, so you can have it. So do you so have the whole collection? No, 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 no. Uh, they, yeah, they're not, they're not that cheap. So, um, yeah, so I'll progressively. You know what? If you believe enough. Maybe one day it will come true, man. <laughs> well, I hope so. Because hey. I could do with all those caps. Hey. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah so otherwise, how are things going? Uh, things are good. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting time. But, you know, fortunately, everyone, you know, around me is keeping healthy and smart about everything going on, and, which is really great to see. So just working through the times just like everyone else, you know. How about yeah. you? How are you doing? No, very good, very good. Well, I mean, you know, South Africa is very much like other countries. They've, you know, done the whole lockdown thing. I think South Africa has been a little bit stricter than than most countries. I've heard, yeah. Um, so there's been some pushback about that and some people saying it's good and some people saying it's bad. I mean, if you're looking at the stats, I think we're doing pretty well. Um, that's assuming that the stats are all correct. And uh, in a way, some people are saying we're just waiting for – the shit to hit the fan, but we'll see. Time will tell. Um, so we've had various levels of lockdown here. Um, we we started with level five, which was everyone must stay at home. Everyone's not allowed, you know not allowed to go out. You can go to the supermarket, you can go to the chemist, um, but that's it. You must stay at home and don't go to work. That kind of thing. Right. And then we went to level four, and now we're on level three. This I think from the first of June. We're on level three. So, like, I mean, there were some things like if you if you smoked and you enjoyed uh, having a drink uh, during lockdown uh, level five and level four, you weren't able to buy cigarettes or buy booze. And even now, you can't buy cigarettes. You can you can buy alcohol now, but only from Monday to Thursdays between I think nine and five in the afternoon or something like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, everyone, I guess everyone's so worried about their vices. Where am I going to get my cigarettes? Where am I going to get my booze? You know, we can all learn a little bit about uh, ourselves going through something like this, right? I think there's some true colors that come out in us, the way we think yeah. about it, the way we process it and handle it, you know? Um, you know, I've also taken a big learning sort of about just thinking about my community in a, in a specific way and the people around me. I have, you know, elder uh, members of my community around me and just sort of thinking about uh, how to help them and uh, what they're going through and being considerate of them is all has been you know very important through this process you know and also yeah. how to take care of our house like how to take care of our home and you know keep things nice and clean and keep our hands mm -hmm. nice and clean there's some you know and we've had some really nice family time at home I know uh, it's a privileged thing to for us to have you know been able to do this but we actually had to move out of our, our, our place at the harbor front. We have a nice little new home just in Port Credit, Mississauga, outside of that area. Um, but we're very lucky that we got out of the core of Toronto uh, sort of right when things, you know, were getting a little bit uh, risky. Let's just say yes. that going, yes. going in a, an elevator for me a few times a day, uh, it felt a little uncomfortable. So we've made a move. We've kind of come out a bit more into the nature. And uh, it's been <clears throat> it's sort of been really nice quality time with my 
my new wife, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been, it's been, it's, there's, there's, there's been tough moments. I miss my family. I miss giving my mom a hug. Um, mm. you know, but we do our best to keep in touch and I just want everyone to keep safe and healthy, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I also, so, I mean, so you're saying that you moved away from downtown Toronto spe specifically because of what was happening and you just, you decided it was time. You know, it was you, a, it was a little bit of both, you know, it's nice to have a, a, a nice small house uh, somewhere. We were in a condo before, beautiful area, like you saw, beautiful neighborhood. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 the timing was right, kind of really nice to have a change and we got a fresh start, you know, start our lives together here. So it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. You can see some nice greenery around yeah, me, see, beautiful see outdoor space. Um, it's yeah. a little quieter than I'm used to, you know, I'm a city guy. <laughs> uh, I love being down there. You know, not being able to go to live music venues during this time and, and watching some of our favorite mu music venues actually shut down. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been a very difficult part of this process, but there's going to be changes. And I'm really hoping that, you know, we'll be OK, uh, you know, when this all comes through. I don't know if you know, but, you know, the hideout music venue in Toronto. Yes. yes. That, it shut down. OK. Wow. So we've lost that. You know, it's one mm. of the venues we've lost from this. So yes. it's been a tricky time. Yeah, it's been yeah. a tricky time. So um, when you when you were downtown, I mean, like you were saying, it's yeah. there's the hustle and bustle and all that kind of stuff. I mean, how long how long did you live downtown there? Oh, I was at the harbor front for seven years. Okay. Uh, so I was in the main. So the harbor front in Toronto uh, is sort of the most southern point of the city, right on the lake. It's a beautiful, mm. small, quiet neighborhood uh, just south of the CN Tower. Um, mm. so very relaxing, the, the, the city itself, um, in the main part of the city was just like almost a street or two North of where we live. Um, it starts getting into a lot of roads and hustle and bustle, but just being on the lake, you know, it's no Cape town waterfront, but it's, it's <laughs> got a, it's got a feeling of relaxation, um, a, a little bit of a different pace than the, the rest of the city. You know, I've always loved it down there and I got to spend seven great years, uh, in that neighborhood. Right. Yeah. And I'll, and, and I'll be back one day, you know, we'll find out, <laughs> but we're very close to the lake now, but it's just, uh, needed a bit of a change. Yeah, sure. So how far away are you now, your new place? How far is that from where you were before? Uh, it is probably about a 22, 25 minute drive just outside of the city. Um, okay. so, you know, you might think that's far, but, uh, mm. Toronto and what we have called the greater Toronto area, um, it's actually a mega city. It's a, it's a very large city. So we now live in a city called Mississauga, but it's it's a part of the greater Toronto area. It's it's you okay. know there are a few mega cities sort of in it, and we're we're living on that sort of lake area of Mississauga, similar to Toronto, but you know just outside of it, right? Yeah. So you, is it like like suburban? I mean, are they like? malls close by or i mean because i mean like when you were downtown i mean you were so everything was so accessible i mean the yeah. pu public transport is there like you say there are venues restaurants um you know there's the eaton eaton center you know it's like everything's there yeah and you can either walk there or climb on the tube or whatever it is i mean what's it like now where you are now is it more like suburban it's it's definitely more suburban. I've moved into a little bit more of a suburban world, um, but uh, there's a main strip area very close by that's beautiful uh, and very lively at night. It's no downtown Toronto, but the mm. public transit system um, is very accessible from the we're on the west end. So to the west okay. end, to the east end, there's a go train. I'm not sure if you ever took the go train when we were here. No, no, I didn't. No. But the GO train makes it pretty accessible to get in and out of the city if you don't have a car. Um, and mm. it's usually a bit more accessible than driving. It's just so much traffic. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, when we were shut down, there there wasn't a lot of traffic uh, during that time. But things have slowly picked up, um, slowly starting to reopen. So it's getting busier again. Right. Yeah. Um, as yeah. for my as for like the actual neighborhood, uh, because it's been locked down, I haven't had much of a chance to get to know um, the people of my neighborhood and my community, yeah, you know, when I, sure. when I walk my dogs and stuff, we always say hi, but the, the type of conversation and so that we, no one really gets into that right now. It's a socially a very, um, it's, there's a, there's a transformation happening. We're watching a change for better, for worse. Yeah, sure. Um, we're watching a change and I think everyone's trying to just respect each other and try to make that as comfortable as it can at this time for each other, you know? 
So hopefully yeah. when this lifts a bit, I'll get to know my neighbors more and uh, get a better sense of the community. Sure. Yeah, that's actually true. Because I mean, I didn't think about that because you literally moved during right. lockdown. And right. so, yeah, so you haven't really had a chance to explore your surroundings. No, no yeah. not, not at all. I mean, we go for little walks and stuff, but it's not enough to go to dog parks or, or big parks that were closed. And, uh, you know, these yeah. things are slowly reopening, but they've been closed for a while, and especially during my uh, transition, right? Mm -hmm. So it's nice to be here. I, I enjoy the change. I can't wait for you to come and visit and, and see. Yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> oh, it'll be great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. um, so, oh, geez, what I was going to, I was going to ask you something now. So what, over the last couple of months, what have you been allowed to and not allowed to do in Canada in terms of going to work or going to the shops or moving around? So, um, uh, uh, essential services have been up and running, uh, you know, since all of this, there's been a lockdown, essential services, services were up and running. Uh, you were able to access the liquor stores, cigarettes are sold at convenience mm -hmm. stores, which were, you know, open and su not supermarkets, but convenience stores. Uh, they, they were open for reduced hours. Um, everyone kind of just socially kept to themselves. A lot of, uh, parks were closed. Uh, not a lot of people were outside for the, the main, you know, the main phase of all this. Uh, and then slowly over time, you know, you kind of really, you know, starts num there's two things, you know, people get tired of being locked down and they, they need to kind of get up and out a little bit. And, you know, from an economic standpoint and from a job security standpoint, people need to get up and working again. They can't just stay yes. home. And not all jobs are easy just to do from home, right? I'm mm. fortunate that I can do my, my work from home, remotely, or in an office. It can, it can be either way, but there are a lot of people who aren't in that situation and they're suffering, right? So yeah. um, the economy has to go back, but it's nice to see. From, and, and again, my view is extremely limited. Um, I don't like inundating myself with news because I don't find that healthy uh, either. You know, a, a reasonable dose to keep informed. But um, just seeing my community, my friends, you know, I've had a couple socially distance uh, visit with, you know, my buddies in my backyard. Uh, I've seen my family from a social distance perspective, but mm. there isn't too much of a pickup yet. Like music venues are uh, still, you know, shut down. Um, bars are not, you know, really open in that regard. Restaurants, no. And they're trying to get these things worked out, but it's a slow process, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, and even when they're open, it's still going to take a hit. Not everybody's going to feel too comfortable going to a concert next week, you know, or going to the local venue to go see a show or jump into a mosh pit. Like, it's just things are going to be slightly different, right? They just, they're going to be slightly different. And we'll have to see how that unfolds. Yeah, I mean, it's a really similar situation here yeah, in South Africa is like the the venues and the restaurants and, you know, the places we would normally go watch live music and all that, obviously they're all being closed. And um, even, like you say, even when they get to the point when they open up, people still gain to make a, a judgment call on whether it's, whether they're comfortable to go out and, you know, be in close proximity. Because, I mean, like when you go to a music event, it's not exactly you can keep two meters away from everyone at all times, you know. No, that gets ex extremely difficult, right? Uh, EDM festivals, parties, you know, any kind of real live music show, you're close to people, right? And it's always that human interaction of a live show uh, has always been one of the components that has made, you know, that piece of music a lot better. People love the human component of things. Sure, putting on a record uh, and listening to music is obviously a wonderful experience, but, you know, being able to watch creativity come to life in front of you uh, and share that with a group of people and create bonds and relationships with friends around you um, is such a wonderful thing to have. So it's really sad from that perspective that it's been a loss. You know, obviously the loss of the venues have been a loss. I mean, I think there's been a few venues, uh, quite a few, probably about three or four now in Toronto at that have shut down, maybe even more. I can't even yeah. keep track. But yeah. it's, uh, it's going to have an impact for a while. So I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, and, uh, um, it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, I've got uh, quite a few friends that are musicians here. And, I mean, if that's your main livelihood, you know, that's just gone out the window, you know, straight away. 
but even yeah. even like photographers and sound engineers yeah. and everyone who's involved with the live music process, right? The people who work at the venues, running the venues, right? Bartenders, mm. everybody. It's like the the impact is profound, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So, and like, what sort of support from a like a from a government point of view do these people get? Um, is there is there like sort of some financial receipt uh, re relief? There is, yeah. There, there is a little bit of financial relief. There's, there have been a few uh, foundations that have provided uh, financial relief for people involved in the music community. Um, uh, I don't know to what extent. I, I don't consider myself, you know, a full-time musician anymore at this stage. Um, so I'm a little bit disconnected to to that kind of component. But I've watched, you know, a few friends of mine from the music space online. Um, really trying to, to find ways to make end meets and, and get these foundations to help them. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure it's a really difficult process for this, for them at this time, you know, uh, uh, even my photographer friends who, you know, would go and shoot these amazing concerts and, you know, they're the, some of the most amazing photographers. Um, but it's not like they're getting, you know, paid a fortune to go do that in the first place. Like some of this yes. is the goodness of their own heart and they go out and do this and, you know, they don't even get a chance to, you know, even get you know any kind of income from that at all it's like a it's a it's really affected you know their life giving them something to do kind of overall overall emotional well-being it really sucks you know yeah. sucks yeah. to see it, it it sucks to see them you know hurt like that uh, mm. uh it's too bad it is what it is right now you know yeah um, so we'll have to see how that is moving forward i don't know yeah. And I mean, for you, you say like for work-wise, for you, it hasn't really affected you because you have the ability to work from home. You're still doing the yeah. sort of the web web kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, I've been involved with, uh, it's more of what I consider like digital strategy. And, you know, I, I like to help clients think through a variety of digital problems. So okay. again, that that's put me in a, a few different industries to work through. Um, mm. you know, I've, I've also helped, you know, do projects within the music industry itself. Um, and I haven't always been a mu musician. You know, I've, I've also worked a little bit as a hobbyist, you know, fun photographer. I've, I've taken some mm. cool photos for some bands and I've worked on a few like fun music video projects as well. So I've had that side of it, but you know, mainly I've worked, I work now a little bit outside of you know, the entertainment space and a little bit more in the business space. Um, to help, you know, a variety of small businesses solve uh, digital problems. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm lucky because, you know, there's been a little bit of an impact where I've you know, been getting quite a few calls of, of you know, e of people looking for e-commerce solutions or new mm. websites or marketing because of the way the world is changing, right? So I'm happy to support them. And it, it, it just seems to, just from my perspective, uh, it's amazing to see how many people are really getting now, you know, how critical this digital piece is and, and really want to make a difference. So I feel fortunate in that regard. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like talking about e-commerce, I mean, in, in Canada, uh, I, I would imagine that people are, are pretty comfortable with ordering stuff online. Whereas like here in South Africa, um, I think a lot of people are still skeptical about the security, about, you know, ordering stuff online and people, I'm still quite used to going to the mall to buy stuff and all that. But right. what I've noticed is that all of a sudden people, uh, I mean, there was a stage now that you could only buy stuff online, if you know what I mean. So, through, through COVID, right? Through the COVID stage? Yeah, yeah, because of the right. of this lockdown thing, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, for, you know, a lot of things that you were, you know, you weren't able to buy, like electronic kind of goods, that kind of stuff, you know, like all the, all the malls and the shops and all that were closed because the supermarkets were allowed to be open. But if you wanted to buy a monitor or you wanted to buy something for your computer, right. whatever right. it is, the only way you could get it is, was to buy it online. And, um, and, then, and then there was a stage where you could only buy essential goods online. And then they had a whole list of what those essential goods were. And then, then they opened it up and said, okay, now everything can be sold online. So I, Almost, and and then there were businesses that normally would be brick and mortar kind of shops that all of a sudden had to pivot to right. create an online space. Right. So I mean, what's it like in Toronto? I mean, you know, is it? I mean, have you seen a lot of that, or or, or where a lot of the, the 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 sort of businesses where they already had an online presence like that? Uh, a a bit of both, actually. Um, 
there there's e-commerce is a is a is a big industry here. Um, I, I would say that I, I still say maybe a majority of people are still getting comfortable with spending online, but there is a large amount of people who are very comfortable spending online. Mm. Um, and it's a little bit more through um, trusted brands and, and understanding where they're spending and how they're spending it. Right. So for example, um, you know, do you ever order, do you order off sites like Amazon? You know, are you able to order Amazon in yeah, we can, we can here in South Africa, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's very expensive to get the stuff it's here. Expensive. Right. Yeah. I've used, I've used Amazon a lot when I've come to Canada and then I, you know, want to buy stuff, then I just order it online, get it right. shipped to the office, you know, much easier. Ugh. Got these bugs all over me, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I understand. You know, you got to think about, you know, your own process, right? Like what made you comfortable spending online? Um, and I think, you know, especially during COVID, a lot of people have been forced to being a little bit more comfortable spending online uh, and actually putting their credit card and going through that process. But there are uh, a little bit of known, um, you know, brands and companies that people do feel comfortable spending with uh, once they become comfortable with a particular brand uh, or if that company is using, you know, a, a platform like Shopify, which is a, a rel yes. relatively trusted e-commerce platform, you know, people tend to feel a little bit more comfortable um, spending because they feel the trust is there. But um, I don't think everyone's ready just to whip out their credit card on, you know, any site that they see they can buy stuff. Maybe they do, right? Yes. But um, I think there's still caution. I'm being aware of, you know, does the site sort of look a little valid? You know, what is the payment processor type? These are good things to think about, you know, anyways, just before you buy things online, right? Um, yeah. For, but, you know, from what I find, there's, a mix. There are some brick and mortar companies that just don't have a, an online presence yet. Maybe they haven't considered it, um, but they're considering it now due to things changing. And there are a lot of brick and mortar stores that uh, have an online presence, presence. And there are tons of businesses that are just online, right? All they do yeah. is, you know, direct sales online, B2C or B2B uh, uh, online. And that's how they run their program, right? So it's yeah, an amazing absolutely. time to be a part of that. It's kind of really cool. Mm. Right. Yeah, I think I think, and I mean, just also just talking about, um, you know, uh, conducting business digitally. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, you know, I mean, I work for a, a corporate, and you know, um, we've always been able to work from home, but you know, we don't do it that often, even though we can do it. But um, now, all of a sudden, under this this circumstance, we had no choice but to work from home. So we had the infrastructure, but the infrastructure wasn't um, didn't scale very well in the beginning. And then, you know, obviously they had to sort that out. And now people are have become used to working from home. Right. And so, like the you know, like things are different now. You know, there's a lot more communication. Um, funny enough, life just seems so much busier because I think people are now communicating and trying to get stuff done. And and I think also the way that you measure your performance in that environment is a little bit different. When you're in the office, people can see you in the office. People can see you sitting at your desk working. Whereas when you're working remotely, the only way that they can see that you're working is when you're producing stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, so I think here in South Africa, you know, the whole digitalization kind of thing has, has, has taken transformation. And I mean, in the last couple of years, we've, you know, fortunately, we you know started to get um, fiber to the house. Whereas before, we were using ADSL and it was very unreliable, and all that. Now, most people have got fiber to the home, so they've got reliable broadband. Right. They've got good broadband, and it's not you know not too expensive. So I think like now, when this situation came along, I think people were in a better situation to be able to adapt to work remotely. Right. Right. Yeah, and businesses right. as well. Yeah. Understood. And that might have a long-term effect, you know, mm. uh, they might realize that they can cut a bit of cost on, on office space and allow Absolutely. some of their, their staff to work from home. And, you know, they don't have to always watch over their shoulder. Like they're adults, they're going to get their jobs done. And if it they is. don't, you should fire them, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, you know, um, so it's, it's, I, you know, I've been working remotely for a while. Sure, I've had clients that I go work in the office and, and I've worked for companies where I sort of work in office full time. But I've never really felt the need to sit, you know, at a desk all day yeah. like that just because it's been more flexible. 
Um, and I, and I've always wanted my life to be a, a little bit more flexible. So mm. just seeing this transformation around me, I'm like, ah, you know, welcome to the good life guys. Save two <laughs> hours of traffic every day. You don't have to sit in your car. Your mental health is probably a lot better because you take breaks during the day. If you go for a nice run, you make yourself good meals at home. You take, you know, having the gym, clothes, having the gym clothes and stuff like, isn't really you know, good. Like it'd be good to be able to go, you know, physically take care of yourself. And if emotionally you take care of yourself, um, you don't need to sit at a desk and not move your legs and not move your body and sit still. And you don't have, like, you don't have to work like that all the time. Right. You just mm. don't. So hopefully businesses will see that. And some of the jobs, you know, my wife, for example, uh, she was working in office all the time. Uh, she had no issue, but I mean, it was an hour and a half drive uh, every day when we were downtown Toronto. Um, so, you know, and now she's, they've realized she can work from home. Doesn't mean that she's never going to go into an office again, but maybe mm. she doesn't have to be there every day, all the time at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, maybe there'll, yeah. maybe, maybe there'll be a bit more flexibility, which will, which would be great to see. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like you say, I mean, it does, it does change your, your quality of life because I mean, if you're not sitting in traffic for three hours a day or three hours a day. I mean, uh, because sometimes, you know, if you're on your way to the office and something's gone wrong and there's a, you know, there's a pileup or there's a backup or something like that, by the time you get to the office, which is the beginning of your day, you're already, you know, you're already tired. You know, you've already, you know, just frustrated because you've had to sit yeah. in traffic for um, extended period of time, you know. And, you know, and like, you know, here in South Africa, it's a little bit different because they don't actually follow the rules of the road. So there's some, <laughs> there's some added frustration there. Yeah. It's funny, but it's not funny. You know, yeah, I, I, you, laugh. you can laugh about it's it really now, not but funny. not, yeah. <laughs> not when you're in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, Ryan, what did you, um, well, I actually don't know what your wife does as a, as, as a career. Oh, she works uh, for a company in the gold mining space. Um, oh, really? So it works with sort of a document control piece okay. uh, in that. So she's worked for a variety of industries, but right now it's with a, a company in the gold mining space. Okay. Yeah. Well, she loves her work. She's very good at, you know, doing what she does. We share that. Yeah. We, we both, you know, enjoy our work and, and love being engaged with work. So, ah, so it's good. Yeah. It's just busy. Right? <laughs> Keeps us busy. Yeah. Ah, something to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Oh, man. Crazy but time. I was, I was, um, I was, I was, uh, not, not so long ago, I was watching that, uh, Searching for Sugar Man, um, huh. movie again. I don't oh, know. You relived You've it. You've seen I, it, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I, I've probably watched it. Jeez, I can't even remember how many times I've watched it, but I mean, it takes me back to like when we first met, which was back in 2012. 2012. Yeah. On your birthday at That's the right. Rodriguez concert. So, yeah. I mean, it's a good memory. Uh, and I mean, we, you know, we became mates after that. And I think, I think it was only when I came back the second time to Toronto that, that I actually realized that you were a musician, a drummer in a band. I mean, how did you, how did you decide to, you know, take up drumming as a, as a, as a pastime? You know, tell us about, tell us about the band that you were in. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. That's the, uh, like the other side of, of life, right? The other part. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I were both musicians. So, uh, she goes under the artist name Isling. Um, she's phenomenal. She's a, 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 a songwriter, a singer, piano player, uh, guitar player. She's phenomenal. Multi-instrumentalist. Uh, excellent. So I encourage any of your listeners to check her out. <laughs> um, but I mean, I kind of got involved, um, going into high school, um, you know, I actually, during grade six to eight, I used to dance. I used to take jazz uh, dancing. Um, and I really loved the idea of sort of rhythm and coordination. And that, you know, grow, getting a little bit older, getting involved with music, I just loved the, you know, that rhythm, that sort of rhythm piece. And maybe it's a little bit of my African blood too. You know, I like to joke around. I'm from, I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's maybe it was a little bit of my blood, but I loved I love playing. It just it, the drums seemed like a natural fit, uh, something I really wanted to get involved with. But I got really lucky. I got to enjoy grow up and, and be able to do quite a few fun uh, work on quite a few fun projects throughout my career. Uh, you know, got to tour and travel and got to work on a, a, a quite a few different records, which is always a, 
a fun thing to do. And, you know, I've always had my, my little own project studio with my drum set in where I get to do my own recordings and have worked with other bands to do recordings. So I've always enjoyed just uh, working with different rock bands and kind of going through these uh, interesting adventures, uh, especially throughout my 20s. Um, you know, and I still play today. Uh, Things with the Unchained, which I'll mention in a minute, uh, yeah. is still around, but we kind of entered a different place in life. You know, it's it's kind of changed a bit. Um, mm. But you know, during those times, it, it was a great adventure. I love, I still love playing the drums, but uh, I just don't get to play as often as I did before. You know, yeah, it's too bad. But right, but life changes. You know, like. If yeah. I remember correctly, one of the other guys, one of the other band members, he got married yep. around about the time that I uh, I came through to Toronto. I mean, you married now. Yeah. You know, life life moves on, you know. Well, life priorities yeah, life, change. Life changes, right? But I mean, I was so I feel so grateful to you know still be a part of the Toronto music community. It's a phenomenal, a welcoming community uh, of musicians um, of different. Uh, nationalities of different styles. Um, there's so many different live music venues um, that host uh, just every genre you can think of. Yeah. Um, we've got you know, incredible festivals that come through Ontario and Quebec, like the Canadian Canadian Music Week, for example. Uh, it's one of the largest music festivals in Canada through you know, throughout the whole year. Uh, there's Indie Week. I think were you here one year for Indie Week? Uh, do you no, I don't think no, so. No, I, I don't. Okay, I can't remember mm. or not. Um, you know, but it's an indie festival that hosts bands uh, from all over the world that get to come in Toronto. So, you know, yeah. we really get to see musicians come in uh, and play uh, throughout the week uh, and, and be exposed to um, world music, right? So many different genres. Like, it's not even genres. It's just world music. There's so much going on. So if you have any listeners, like one of the reasons I want to mention this, you know, for value for anyone you know, out there who might be musicians or, you know, in the future looking to travel. Um, there mm -hmm. are foundations available uh, to help international travel to Canada as well. Um, but also festivals like Indie Week uh, is a great festival to get involved with. You know, who knows where things are going to go. I'm, I'm keeping in mind what's happening with COVID, but yeah. I wish good things for these festivals and I really hope they can still be okay. So if there are any bands, you know, looking for that, you know, th that's a little bit of information, you know, good places to start. You know, if Canada's ever been interesting for you, you know? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, really, I mean, I just love supporting uh, some incredible local bands. Uh, there are some phenomenal uh, Canadian bands that, you know, I'd love to mention. You know, there's a band out there called Sumo Cycle, Sumo Psycho, sorry. They're, they've, they've gone a little bit more international. They've become a little bit bigger, but uh, they are just a phenomenal uh, Canadian band. Uh, there's another instrumental band from Canada called Intervals. Uh, it's like a progressive metal kind of band. They are a little bit more international as well, a bit bigger. Um, but they all started again. At, you know, Aaron mm -hmm. Marshall was a guy who started the guitar player, started young, and he's grown this unbelievable project from it. So anyone interested in looking for, you know, some great music, I would encourage Intervals and Sumo Psycho, uh, for example. Uh, and then, you know, a couple other cool ones like Hot Lips. Um, kind of an electronic pop band from Toronto, uh, a three-piece, just a phenomenal group of musicians writing great music, uh, fighting the good fight out there, putting on excellent shows, you know, worth, worth definitely listening to if you're open-minded uh, to music. I would really recommend Hot Lips. Um, you know, these are bands that today, like, kind of really stand out to me. Right? Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. So what I found, okay, well, you know, what I found quite interesting when I came to Canada the first time, you know, I was listening to some local radio stations and I happened to uh, come across uh, 94.9 Rock. Yeah. Which I actually still listen to from here in South Africa cool. because they just play good music. And um, But what I found is that they actually play a lot of local music on, on the radio station. They do. Which is something that, you know, one doesn't often hear here in South Africa. They do. They've always been very involved with the indie music community. Uh, 94.9 has sponsored a variety of shows and festivals that I've been a part of. Uh, and they are very open to spinning. There's great music. It's not about being uh, famous or a well-known band. There are artists here 
performing and writing music at an extremely high level. Uh, and yeah. when you when you strip away um, just the names, like the big names, Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, bands I love, you know, things that get radio airplay. If you just strip away the names and you look at the music itself, um, like the music's like right up there, man. These some musicians are absolutely phenomenal and they deserve um, a little bit of airtime and a chance to be heard uh, by a larger audience, you know, and 94.9 has always provided that. Uh, for the local music community. Um, like the one thing I want to mention, I'll never forget. Uh, you know, they're a radio station. They, they, they're they're going to play more, like a little bit more radio focused songs, right? It's like, mm. and it could be a variety of music, but it's usually cut for the radio. Like it's, it's made for radio listening. There's usually a singer. There's usually lyrics behind it. Um, but my band at the time that you came to see, The Unchained, yeah. Yeah. we yeah. were a five piece instrumental band there's three guitar players a bass player and a drummer myself right we, we're writing songs that are you know six to ten minutes long that are progressive rock that's fully instrumental that has no lyrics or vocalists whatsoever we did we did projects with singers but the the main band is purely instrumental um and not only has has 94.9 uh, allowed us to play and sponsored some of the shows that we uh uh played but they've also aired our music uh, yeah, on their yeah. stations. The whole thing, you know, no singer, no cuts of the songs. They've, they've just, and we sit there and we listen to it and we're blown away, right? Because yeah. uh, uh, we're hearing this and we're like, we, we really respect uh, how much you just care about local music and giving us a bit of spotlight, right? Yeah. So, thanks, I can actually I, remember, I think I messaged, awesome. I think I actually messaged you the one time I was here at home in the kitchen listening to 94.9 Rock, and I heard one of your songs come on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> I think I flip and drop you a message and say, hey, I just heard you guys on radio. That's right. Yeah, they're pretty great. cool. Eh? They're pretty great. Cool. They're great. They're an they're excellent station, very supportive of the scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you yeah. still listen to them. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let them know. That's great. Yeah. So, um, cool. I mean, you were saying, you were saying the Unchained at the moment still around but not really active i mean have you got any future plans or have you guys been talking or uh yeah we're we're we, we keep in touch right i mean we've started families and kind of have our mm. lives but it's there's you know um it's it's just distance but who knows where things are going to be right uh the unchained came from a band previously called easy sleazy and easy sleazy yeah. had a singer right and okay. just we sort of changed and the singer went his own direction and did his own thing. Um, but we were fortunate enough from that to form the instrumental. So if you look at the whole picture, you know, we were together for a long time, like almost 10 years. Right. Yeah. So the unchained is only a piece of that carnation. And the one guitar player and I played in a band before that called revolver. So that went okay. even you know, longer. So mm. it's not, it's never about never. It's always about life just being life. And, one day when things are right again, you know, we'll play together. For example, uh, we did a reunion show with Easy Sleazy at one of our The Unchained sets, if that makes any sense. So we were yeah. playing Indie Week. We played as The Unchained, but for the first time in years, uh, we brought mm. our singer back and we did a set with him, right? So we had this Easy Sleazy piece. And it wasn't because we forced that to happen. Just everyone felt like we were in a good place to do it. And, you know, we had fans that wanted to see it. And so we did it, right? And it, yeah. it was great, but it's all about timing and life and things kind of just working out the way that they work out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see. Right? Yeah. So the last, I mean, you were talking about, um, about the fact that you can see different genres of music in Toronto, yeah. like the live, the live scene. Uh, what's, what street, what re, uh, street is it? Is it Queens or? Yeah. Queen street. All those, yeah, you, all you those establishments to... used to be on. Yeah. Yeah. You've come to Queen Street with me quite a bit. It's it's uh, it's changed. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm not I'm not uh, too stuck in the past. I'm, I'm open to change. Um, but we you know, we lost one of the one of the best live music venues on the street to uh, a Taco Bell, which is, you know, we all know a fast mm. food chain um, and those kinds of, you know, those kinds of changes the community doesn't really love. Um, um, but I'm I'm open to seeing the city change. But um, with there not being enough uh, funding for these venues, uh, especially with the hit that they've taken now, um, mm. 
who really knows the impact of what is even left on Queen Street or, or other, you know, some of the other busy streets that have music venues, right? King Street, uh, Bloor area, uh, Adelaide, a little bit on Richmond. Like there, there's live music everywhere. Um, yeah. So it really makes me nervous to think about the impact, you know, like now I think about mm. it, just, it's, it's, it's absolutely frightening to know, but yeah, the queen street, it's changed over time, but new venues have opened, old venues have closed. So it's a very tricky, uh, transitional time for this yeah, thing. Yeah. It really is. It really is. A, it's a tough time. Oh man. Well, I suppose, I suppose we just need to hope for the positive that, um, there'll be new opportunities that have been created by the situation. I mean, there might be some negative stuff that's happened, but hopefully that there's some new opportunities that are created and hopefully that, you know, the whole industry and the whole environment just comes back better and stronger than it was before. I really, I hope so too. Do you have, do you have a lot of live music around uh, where you live? Yeah, look, I mean, there are venues that will host local bands, right. you know, live music, you know, um, blues rock kind of stuff, blues, um, some, you know, like, uh, what else? You know, that kind of, that seems to be doing pretty well in South Africa at the moment, the guys that are right. playing the blues and that kind of stuff. Um, I've, I'm, I'm sure you know, um, I don't know if you know Jesse Clegg. Is, um, yeah, of course. I have yeah. a photo with Jesse Clegg. I do. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because he's actually dating no, a Canadian. Johnny Clegg. No, Johnny Clegg. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny. Clegg. But, yeah. Jesse Clegg is his son, because now seen, you know Johnny Clegg's passed away. I went to uh, I went to his show in Toronto. I think okay. it was two years ago, and his son yeah. opened the show. Yeah, that's it. So that's I it. saw his son open, and then we saw Johnny Clegg play. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was phenomenal. Yeah. So and I think he's actually dating. A, he's actually dating a Canadian now. Jesse Clegg. Man, good man. Good man. <laughs> man, absolutely. But yeah, so these I've got a friend who's who's got a venue um, in observatory in Johannesburg. Okay. Um, it's in his house. He's got a, uh, he actually created a, a, a drumming studio um, basement, like a basement in his house, like a drumming studio. Okay. And uh, he actually never used it as a drumming studio. He then was using it as a venue to host um, local, local artists. And it only takes 60 people. Okay. And the deal is, is that, I mean, it's his house. You go there, you pay, what is, it, what is it, 500 rand, and you get dinner, get drinks, help yourself to drinks, plus you get the, the, the show for that, for that price. And uh, it's become one of my most favorite places to go to because it's, A, it's intimate, B, the music is great. Because, you know, because it's such a small venue, the, 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 the musician has to tone it down a little bit, do a little bit more of an acoustic set. You know, if they're used to doing a, an electric set, right. you know, they've got to do it a little bit more. It's a little bit more raw, a little bit more, you know, back to basics kind of Amazing. stuff. Amazing. And um, I've done a couple of podcasts with those guys there at that venue. And like they say, that it's, it's actually a little bit intimidating because they're so used to being at another venue where – there's this like divide between themselves and the audience. Now all of a sudden you've got people and they're sitting right here in front of you and they're watching you. And like every mistake that you make, like everyone can see it, you know, like you can't really, you know, disguise those mistakes. But in a way you can see that they actually enjoy it because I think it actually takes them back to when they first started or early days or whatever. So they, even though they do find it a bit daunting, they, they do enjoy it, but it's such a great venue. But what you know, a I've phenomenal been to... idea! Oh, that's yeah. great. That's yeah. great. I've, 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 I have wondered um, if uh, we would see a little bit more of uh, um, a pickup in sort of underground venues, um, yes. like you're describing, right? So I've just—it's yeah. interesting to hear you say this. It's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 So, so one interesting observation that that that. I've made and the musicians have spoken about, and it's something that I experienced when I when when I was spending time with you and 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 your wife um, when she was playing the one night. So I don't know if you remember. Yeah. We went to watch her after grabbing dinner, and I don't know if you remember. There was a group of people that were in there that while she was playing, while the other artists were playing, they were having yeah. a big fat conversation, right? Yeah. 
And I think the guy that was there from the radio station that was the host of it that evening, or whatever, he asked them to leave. Uh, other, you know, respect Rudy the, Blair. Rudy yeah, Blair. Yeah. 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 Other respect the, you know, the musicians or please leave kind of thing. He did. He did. Yeah. And they eventually left. Um, but it's something it's, I think, I think since experiencing that and then coming back and then starting the podcast and chatting to musicians, that's something that they comment about quite often. Um, is that when they're playing a, a, a gig, when they're playing a set, that people are having big fat, you know, they're not like, engaged and watching them they're having their own conversation and sometimes it puts them off right yeah right it's a very it's a really distracting thing um especially for artists who are maybe a little quieter right they don't have that sort of um from a sonic perspective that presence of their sound to like overtake a room right like our rock like being a rock band you can't ignore us. It's impossible. You can try to have a mm. conversation. It's not happening. But the smaller venues, um, it is, they are, they, this happens quite often um, because the sound is a little bit, like you said, in control um, and, and not as loud as dominating. Um, they go and they have these conversations. Now, mind you, there's, there's always, obviously, I, uh, I always think about it from the musician side. They're out there giving their time, playing with the songs that they wrote, trying to give you guys a really great night. You know, and then sometimes you got an audience out there that might not be in the live. It's not really a live music venue. It could be, you know, a bar um, where there's Mm. live music happening. So sometimes if some people are going into a bar um, and they want to be with their groups of friends, they're not they're thinking about social, not necessarily the artists on stage. Right. So there's there's also like. I'm, tr- I'm not saying it's it's respectful to talk. I'm not saying you should go in and, and speak. I'm saying that's probably the reason why it happens sometimes, yes. at least. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's it's fair to, if you, if you would like the audience to be quiet, you know, exactly what Rudy Blair did was excellent. Uh, he took a bit of leadership to help out the artist. He was very respectful in the way that he approached um, the ask. Um, and it was fair. Hey, listen, you know, these artists are here. Um, trying to play, um, you know, if you can keep your conversation down to a minimal and let them have their time to do what they do, that would be great. And it makes a difference, right? Not only from the artist's perspective, but the atmosphere in the room uh, changes. Uh, you get mm. to slow down a little bit. You don't have to talk all the time. You can just stop and listen to a musician play their songs for, you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes, whatever it is, right? So. Yeah. There's, there's, it's a consideration thing. If a lot of people just kind of had, as, as listeners, just had that in mind, um, you know, when an artist was playing that, you know, maybe consider the level of your speaking or where you're talking, or maybe go closer to the back or, you know, um, but, you know, everyone has the reason for heading out to the bar. So it's kind of a fine balance sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at least they were quiet, right? Like once Rudy asked everyone to be quiet and what the atmosphere was better, was it not afterwards? Right? Yeah, when absolutely. Was it not absolutely. just a better room to enjoy music in? Right. Absolutely. So the result is that it's a better experience. Um, just some people always aren't there for the music. So they'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just leave. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I, I miss that. I really do. I really miss getting out and supporting some of my favorite restaurants and my favorite bands and, Favorite venues, you know, heartbroken over the hideout uh, being closed. Yes. Uh, just really tough. Really tough yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, who knows? That, we'll see where it goes. Sorry? What was that place that you and I went to uh, when you were playing and I came with you to one of your gigs? What what venue was that? It was a little oh. bit more out of town, huh? Yeah, it was called the Rock Pile. Yeah. Um, that was pretty and, cool. There was. And they're. they're, they're a little unstable too. You know, they made a yeah. post, I think it was earlier this week or last week, uh, suggesting that they're taking things off of their walls, you know, in prep of having to shut down if they can't, you know, if this goes on for too long. Um, yeah. You know, if, if everything picks up and they're able to continue, then they're going to put their stuff back on the walls and continue. But, you know, they're under attack also. Um, mm. Really sad, right? Yeah, really absolutely. Sad. And they're, they're one of the only venues, like rock venues, um, around that specific area. So mm. losing that um, is is a little different than losing 
you know, just one venue in downtown Toronto. I shouldn't say just one venue. One venue is very important, but it's <laughs> the only rock venue, the only live venue in that area, right? Yes. So yeah. it's it sucks. Yeah. And yeah. good people too. Great people running these businesses who have been involved with it for years and years and years. You know, the owner of the rock piles owned a variety of of venues and you know has lost his venues before due to gentrification or you know rent increasing and you know things like that changing and now he's threatened by this and they keep going they keep doing it for the love of music it's amazing it all blows me away yeah <laughs> they just keep Absolutely. going man yeah. they love music they love the artists they love music and they they just keep going right mm. phenomenal well i mean there's a venue here in in Joburg, which i think is the oldest pub in Johannesburg and the second oldest pub in um, South Africa cool. called the Radium. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, one wonders, you know, is that place going to survive? Hopefully it will because it's probably one of the best. I hope so. One of the most enjoyable venues to go to. Probably not the best sounding acoustically, but um, it's just got such an atmosphere about it. And, you know, the artists love playing there. Yeah. Anyway. That would be a sad loss. That'd be a really yeah, sad absolutely. loss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, oh man, is there anything else you wanted to catch up on? Yeah, I don't mean to cut this short. I love chatting with you, but yeah, I know. Yeah, into... I see the connection. The connection starting to get a bit. Um, yeah. A bit uh, uh, stuttering a bit there. Mm. Anyway, but listen, dude, we're up for almost an hour, so it was a good chat. It was a good catch up. I'm sure there's plenty more we could talk about. Yeah, there's lots we could. And I'm happy to connect with, with you again on sort yeah, of other yeah. topics, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was really great to at least just catch up now and connect. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll um, we'll have an offline chat about some of your other stuff that uh, cool. I would like to catch up on. I cool. don't know what I'm talking about. I do. And you know what? <laughs> I was actually thinking, just to leave it on this yes. note, maybe one day we'll have an online chat about that. Because, well, because it could be helpful for other absolutely. people. And absolutely. I don't, I don't think you know offline is always the way to go. We'll talk about it, but maybe yeah, there's something there absolutely. for us to talk about. I like it. I like it. Great, great man. Anyway, okay. Ron, it's been great catching up. Excellent. To you. your wife. I will. And to your folks, your family. I will. Absolutely, they'll love to hear yeah. that. They always yeah. ask about you, so it's great. That's great. great. Thanks, man. Okay, we'll chat soon. Okay, Ron. Okay. Keep well, man. Cheers. Eh? Bye. And there you have it. That's this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed that one. Don't forget to come back next week for the next episode. And if you haven't already, please uh, rate and subscribe on podcast, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Drop me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Don't forget to watch uh, The Weekend Crack live on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock on YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, and maybe on Instagram this week. I'm not too sure. been trying to sort out some technical issues there. But uh, please do join us there. And if you don't catch it live, you can always find it on YouTube or Facebook afterwards. And that, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time. 